Prepare for fire. Or how do we get through what's just ahead and be the glorious church? We're reading today, just as a foundational scripture, Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 to 6, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. But the Lord of heaven's armies says, The day of judgment is coming. And we've got to notice some of the words that are used here. The next phrase is burning like a furnace. That's fire. On that day. Now, when he says on that day, he's talking about the day of judgment. So the day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and wicked will be burnt up like straw. They will be consumed roots branches, and all. Now, all of these thoughts are going to come back into this message. Verse 2, but, now but is a big word, but changes everything. It's a word of contrast. So you've got the wicked in that day, the day of judgment, really being hammered by fire and being burned up. Then you've got a but there in the middle, which changes or makes a contrast for a different group of people. But for you who fear my name, see, that's the Christian. That's the full-on Christian. It's like God's people in Egypt. All of these great disasters were happening in the Egyptian part of the country, speaking of the world system, but God's people in Goshen were protected and unaffected by any of the 10 plagues that came on Egypt. And that's what this contrast is telling us. But you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. He will let you go free. So there's freedom and healing, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet. That's just such an amazing contrast. And from the book of Daniel, and I've spoken about this before online, there seems to be this time where the enemy looks like he's got the upper hand and to a lot of intents and purposes he does. And that maybe runs for three and a half years. Then judgment is given from the most high God. And then judgment is given in favor of the saints. And suddenly it all turns around. On the day when I act, that's that day, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant. And for us, that means walk in the spirit, because if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. If you're not going to be led by the spirit, you better do what this says. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. Look, now this is getting very relevant to the lead up to this time. Are you ready? I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. He's preaching. In other words, when he releases the word of God will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Let's pray. 
Father, we ask as we look at your word today and as we move on from this to see how to prepare for fire, that you would give us your spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would open the eyes of our understanding and, Father, that you would activate the spirit of truth which has been given to us, which the world doesn't receive, and enable us to see what you are saying, to know it, to be able to act on it, to receive grace from the living word today, and to really be able to worship you on into the future and be the glorious church in Jesus' name. So I just want to underline it again. That day that God's talking about has two contrasting outcomes. So to me, this is saying some versions of end time interpretation. Remember, it only means what it means. We can interpret it all day and all night. We can't change what it means. But some idea is that we will be here for a while. But when God's judgments come, we'll be taken out. Others say we'll be taken out at the end. And Really, according to this, it wouldn't even matter if we were here through God's judgments because he is so good, so clever that he can make two contrasting outcomes at the same time. While judgments are happening against the world system and the people that are adhering to it, God can still protect and bless us. Let's look at these two contrasting outcomes. I mean, let's face it, if God takes us away from any more hardship, We'll all be celebrating. Here we go. For God's enemies, the day of judgment is coming. It says it's going to be a fire. There will be burning like a furnace. So remember that fire is coming. The arrogant and the wicked will be burned up. These are the people that are not going God's way. They're not repenting of their sin. They're not trusting in God. They're not walking in the spirit and they're not worshippers of God. Like straw or chaff, you could say, branches and roots. It's referring to plants, trees, vines and wheat. Amen. But for those who fear my name, there's going to be healing, freedom and leaping for joy. I think that's very, very interesting. Then he says, on the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked. Amen. That's very exciting. The church will have the upper hand in the authority of Jesus Christ and put an end to all of this wickedness that's going on around us right now. And then God says this, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah to prepare for this. Now, this is interesting because God says his preaching will bring the change. It's the release of God's all authoritative word that has all authority under the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, the living word, in other words, the living word will bring about change in people to bring them to the place God wants them to be. And we could say transforms people to be the glorious church. And this is underlined in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 that Jesus is going to prepare his bride by the washing of water of the word. He gets her ready by the washing of the water of his word. Amen. And then later in the book of Revelation says the bride has made herself ready. We've both got a responsibility in that. And I spoke a lot about that in many of these previous messages. And you can find them all on YouTube, one after the other. And you can go back and look through them and find the ones that will help you at this time. 
The good news is God said, I'm going to send Elijah the prophet. Now they asked John the Baptist, are you Elijah? He said, no. But then Jesus said, if you'll receive it, he was Elijah who is to come. And the angel said of John the Baptist in Luke 1.17, he will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And he quotes a bit from Malachi to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This word's given by an angel. There's nothing corrupted about that. It's the pure word of God. So John the Baptist operated in this ministry that God is going to restore in our day, preparing us both for Jesus' return, but also for his magnificent, glorious, supernatural manifestation in revival, awakening, and an outpouring power prior to his return. Amen. Or you could say that is very much part of his return. So this is what John said, and we've got to look at this to understand how this spirit works so that we can learn how we need to operate if we are going to operate in the spirit and power of Elijah, which of course is not different from the outpouring of the anointing that Jesus sent with the Holy Spirit. It's a facet of it because Jesus' anointing encompasses all of the Old Testament anointings. Here we go. This is what John said while operating under the spirit and power of Elijah. Luke 3, verses 16 to 17, from the contemporary English version, John said, I'm just baptizing with water, but someone more powerful is going to come, and I'm not good enough even to untie his sandals. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Very interesting. So again, we've got this promise that fire is coming. You know, my father used to have a sawmill way up in the mountains. And when he had been through that fire, he learned two things. Number one, if you're in the mountains and there's a fire coming, you need a dugout, a big hole in the ground that needs to be ready, like an underground house, and you need to get everybody in there and do not let them out because they won't survive in the fire. The second thing he learned was the power of backburning. And later in his life, when he was in his 70s, he got a smaller farm out near Bensdale and then a big grass fire came towards it. And he was exhorting the fire brigades who were there, backburn now, use the road as a fire break and start a fire on the other side of the road so it backburns towards the fire that's coming. They wouldn't do it. And when the fire came, of course, they took off and left him there and he had to go by himself and protect the neighbor's house. But he understood the value of backburning. And I want to say to you right now, there's a fire coming and we need to prepare to be ready for this fire. The dugout, of course, represents us being safe in Christ, dwelling in the secret place, listening to the voice of the Spirit, living with your ear on the heartbeat of Jesus like John at the Last Supper and obeying what you hear. Backburning also is going to come up in this message today. It's talking about chaff that burns, fruitless trees and branches that burn. Amen. And everyone's work is going to be tested by fire. So he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. That means everything's going to be immersed with fire. And it's good if the fire of God comes on you but there's nothing burnable 
in you. Then you can operate in that fire and that power and be like Elijah and be supernatural and empowering and be a great leader in revival and awakening. But if part of your life is burnable, then you're going to have to deal with that when the big fire comes. My word to you today is deal now with what can burn so that what's left will not be affected when we are completely immersed in this fire. Amen. So John was operating under the spirit and power of Elijah. He said of himself, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So like Elijah, who went into the cave, he heard God's still small voice. Elijah then obeyed that voice and released those words that he heard. This is what John did. He heard the still small voice because he was always dwelling in the wilderness. And then he came in and did what he heard and he spoke what he heard and the power in those words changed people. He was preparing the way for Jesus. And one of the things he did as he released that living word, it changed people's thinking, renewing their mind, leading to a change of heart. And it led to them being baptized to show that they were cleaning up their life turning from the way they'd been and going God's way. Amen. It made them into vessels fit for the master's use. Now, God wants us to operate in the same spirit and power of Elijah. It's one aspect of the Holy Spirit's anointing. We're getting the road ready. We're getting everything ready and we're getting the church ready to be glorious because that comes about by the washing of the word. Amen. We've got to preach the word of God, the living word, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. It means be ready all the time. Preach the word. That's our mandate. Not preach our ideas, not have arguments, not have discussions. Preach the word of God. Of course, we can have discussions around the word of God. But the point is that we hear what God's saying and release what God is saying. He said, if you preach my word, I will build my church. Amen. If you preach my word, that word will bring the change of heart, the change of mind, repentance, which showed up in John's case as a baptism. So today, how do we prepare for fire? Number one, we have to relinquish the inflammable chaff. That means burnable chaff. Again, Luke 3, 16 to 17 I'm just baptizing you with water, but someone more powerful is going to come. And I'm not good enough to even untie his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now, chaff to me, speaks of any weeds or spurious things that are growing, but predominantly the chaff is the actual wheat plant or what came up from the seed. It's the plant. It grows from the seed, which represents the word of God. You know, the sower sows the word, you take it into your heart and it grows. So this plant grows up from the word of God and then it produces a reproduction of the original seed. When the harvest comes, the harvester wants the seed because that's a reproduction of the original. The plant was useful for a season. It was necessary. 
It holds up the growing wheat, it provides nutrients, stability and structure. But at the end of the day, it's not a reproduction of the seed. So it's in our life, it's something that even grows up from the word, but it's not actually the reproduction of the word. It could be a program, a style, a way we put it into the culture. It could be all kinds of methods used to get the word of God to reproduce in a given season. But when that season has concluded, this says that the chaff is burned with unquenchable fire, never to be found or recovered again. It's completely removed. And so I believe we have to be ready to let go of chaff in our lives. Chaff's not just useless things. We've got to let them go. Anything that can burn or shake, we've got to let it go. But chaff can be something that was very, very good during the growing season that reproduced the Word of God. But once the Word itself has reproduced, then a new season of growth will produce its own chaff, its own plant, its own mechanism, style, program, enculturation, whatever it is. For example, in my life, I'm called to teach the Word of God. I started teaching the Word of God in a home group. That was done by having a whole lot of people sit in the lounge room. Rosanna sang there with her acoustic guitar, and afterwards we all had a cuppa and a chat. It was awesome, and we preached the Word of God like that for several years. Then we started a youth group, and again, there was a particular style and a particular place. We all sat around the open fire in the cafe section of a mud brick building, and it was great. Kids came from everywhere, and I was able to teach the Word of God, but then that season ended. I was still teaching the Word, but then I moved into church life, and I was teaching from up the front on a Sunday. Then we pioneered a church. Again, I was teaching. I was teaching the Word of God in concerts, in seminars, in conferences, but it's still reproducing the Word. But every time I did it, that season ended. We left that church we planted. We went to the big church in Daninong, and I was teaching the Word in classes on Sundays and in the early morning service and even in the Bible college, the structured Bible college. It's still teaching the Word, but the structure, the style, everything about it was different. It was done with assessments and assignments and writing essays. And then we were called to go to a different place where I was the principal of the Bible college, the associate pastor. And again, there was a lot of teaching of the word. Then we went into itinerary. We were driving around into different churches, still teaching the word. And I was writing books, still teaching the word, but doing it in print books and some e-books. But then when the lockdowns came, we started to teach on the internet. It's still teaching the word, but if I was still holding on to the plant and the structure and the process that enabled that teaching in the first season, I'd still be looking for the fireplace in the cafe in a mud brick building to sit around it with about 20 to 30 teenagers. But that season is not coming back. The chaff was useful in that season, but I had to let it go. All the previous seasons I had to let go of when the shutdowns came. Now I'm back in a church some of the time, but still online. It's still the Word of God, and the Word's growing from the seeds planted in my heart, but it comes out via a different program, style, 
way. Amen. I'm sure you can see what I'm saying. We did the same with praise and evangelistic music. We were initially doing daily concerts in schools, really in hotels, outreaches. Then we did it weekly in church with more praise focus. Then we were in a recording studio recording outreach music, praise music, and then doing concert tours, trying to get those recordings out to people. It's still the same principle, but it was done through a different mechanism, program, a different way to put it into the culture, a more effective way sometimes of getting that word into people's lives. Because let's face it, when we used to do all those outreach concerts, sometimes they put us in places that were so echoey, no one could ever understand the words. So that's one of the reasons why we started to record. So we could write the words in there and people could take it home where they could hear the words. Amen. The objective is always the same, the reproduction of the word. But the chaff is what's left over from that which grows up. It's a supporting structure. It brings nutrition. It allows the whole thing to grow and to reproduce the word. But once it's reproduced, that season comes to an end. The chaff is burned and we use the seed. The seed makes food. The seed can be spread out, given to others. It can be taken into totally different areas and it'll grow there. But we need to remember today that for the new season, there's a lot of chaff to let go of and we need to let it go and not identify with the chaff, not have our reputation tied to the chaff. We let the chaff go. So how do you prepare for fire? Relinquish the inflammable chaff. Number two, don't be led astray by the tears around you. Now, tears are not the same as the straw, which comes from the plant with no grain on it. The tares are other plants that were put there by the enemy. Let's read this, Matthew 13, 24 to 30. This is what Jesus said. He told them another parable and said, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. And while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and he left. It's a very evil thing to do to sow weeds among your good food seeds. But when the grain sprouted, it produced fruit. Then the tares also appeared. And the servants of the Lord of the house approached and said to him, Our Lord, did you not sow good seed in your field? From where are the tares in it? But he said to them, An enemy has done this. When I looked at these words once, I realized it says, A hateful enemy has done this. His servant said to him, do you want us to go and select them out? But he said to them, when you collect the tares, would you not uproot the wheat with them? Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I'll say to the reapers, select out the tares first. That's an important point. And bind them into bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my granary. This is interesting. This is not the chaff I was talking about. This is seeds planted on purpose by the enemy to be disguised among the growing, well, let's call it today wheat. Among the growing wheat, they look like wheat, but they're inedible. And you can't tell while they're growing, but as soon as the seeds form, you can tell, hang on, this is not just wheat. 
This has got a whole lot of other stuff in it. But then God's strategy was to collect out the tares first. I won't go into that today, but let's just think about that. Collect out the tares first and then gather the good ones into his granary for his use. Amen. In a different version, it says, First gather out the tares and bind them into bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Amen. Note A. Tares and wrong trees do not have God's fruit. Luke 3, 8-9 says, Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now, see, now is now. The axe is laid at the root of the trees. There's no one swinging the axe. There's no one cutting the trees. But the trees can kind of look down and see the axe there. And they know what that means. It means if you don't produce any fruit, you're coming down and you're going to be burned. Amen. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So these ones don't have God's fruit, neither to tears, and they're going to be burned. Amen. The second thing to note is that tears are not part of the glorious church. If tears represent people, they're not part of God's glorious church. If tears represent ideas, ideologies, things that have been planted in the church, heresies, etc., they are not part of the glorious church, Jesus' pure bride. They've got to be separated out and burnt. 2 Corinthians 11, 2-3 says, For I'm jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. We have to be aware of this. We have to understand that we are the bride of Christ. Eve was the pure, spotless bride of Adam, but she was still corrupted by the devil. And we have to watch out. We've got to remain that pure, spotless bride. And we certainly can't afford to have any tears or fruitless trees or fruitless branches because they're going to be removed. And remember, see, tears are not those who overcome. We were looking at this last week. Overcomers will be rewarded, but there's a huge contrast with those that do not overcome. They're not going to be there. Remember the rewarded ones, it says they're not going to have tears, death, sorrow, crying, no pain. They're going to have all things made new and get to drink the water of the fountain of life and inherit all these things. But this is the list of those who don't. These are also considered to be tears and fruitless trees. Cowardly or fearful, unbelieving, abominable. They are the ones that make themselves a stench in the nostril of God. Murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Amen. The cowardly are those who recant under persecution. They're opposite of overcomers. So, you can be a fruitful tree and not a tear, but fire's coming. Let go of the chaff. Check out what's fruitful in your life and make sure there's some fruit. Because remember, 
there's not enough fruit coming, pruning's on the way. So how do you prepare for fire? Number one, relinquish the inflammable chaff. Number two, don't be led astray by the tears around you. And number three, celebrate God's pruning. Welcome it, accept it. It's like getting rid of the chaff. Once its season is over, it's not needed. We're reading this one from John chapter 15, verses two and six in the New Living Translation. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. These are branches of Jesus, branches of his ministry, branches of his family, branches of your life in Jesus that don't produce fruit. They're going to be cut off. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So even if you've got different programs or ministry facets or different things you do in your life, different ways of operating, different places that you're actually producing fruit, he's still going to prune it. He's going to cut back on it somewhere so that it can produce even more fruit. Amen. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Verse 6, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. So people that pull themselves away from Jesus stop drawing the daily life from him because that's how the fruit comes. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the overflow of God's word in our heart. It's when we hear from him, we speak what we hear. We do what we see with him in the spirit. We walk in the spirit, live by faith, abide in the secret place. The overflow is the fruit he wants. Remember John said, bear fruit unto repentance. He's talking about the fruit of a change of mind, a change of heart. The overflow of the word coming in, it starts going out. It goes out through your gift, through your talent, your ability, your personality, and it goes out and it affects other people and it produces the fruit of change in them as well as change in you. And if you've got branches of your life, your ministry, branches of your church, if they remove themselves from the vine, they're going to be gathered into bundles, it says here, into a pile to be burned. These are branches of Jesus and his work. Whole branches will be removed if they don't produce. It could be, as I said, it could be a department, a church, a program, an aspect of your life, because fruitless branches still draw sap. They take away the nutrients that could be going to where the fruit is being produced. We've got to be prepared for the fire to let these things go. Let the pruning take place and don't fight what God's doing. So in conclusion, how do you prepare for fire? Number one, relinquish the inflammable chaff. Always be expecting God to inspire you with new ideas, fresh ways, new ways to reach a different generation, people at a different age or location. The change of season is here. We need to let go of the chaff, but keep the word and keep re-sowing the word and using new structures, new programs, new styles, new songs, different music, whatever's needed in today's reaping season. Amen. Number two, 
Don't be led astray by the tares around you. They've been planted there by the enemy. And as we're coming into this time of harvest, we are going to see the difference between the real ones that are producing God's fruit and those that only look like it that aren't. Now, of course, if we get God's word and preach, there's always the possibility they can repent. But we must mark those who cause divisions and separate ourselves from them because we don't want any part to do with tears. Amen. Because they're going to be burned. And number three, celebrate God's pruning. In other words, realize it's coming and be happy about it when it does come. It's horrible to have parts of your life and ministry cut off and no longer used because they're not fruitful. But just go with what God is using. Amen. Focus where God is bringing fruit through your life, through your ministry, in your church, wherever it is. And that's where you put your energy. Amen. Let go of what isn't, because if it's not producing fruit, it's going to be pruned off and burned. Amen. Let the Father prune it away, take it away, so that when the fire really heats up and you're baptized in fire, there's nothing left to burn. Amen. I often think about those Australian bushfires that have been through, and at times I've seen it where a house is completely burned, a wooden house, but they've made the fireplace and the chimney out of bricks, and it's still standing because the bricks don't burn. And I think that's what it's going to be like when we stand before Jesus or when everyone stands there. And it might be like this. Just, I mean, this is just a picture to help us get motivated. Amen. Just imagine it goes like this. God sits on his throne and you step up and over there's the angels with a whole lot of fire throwers. And they're sitting there waiting with them all turned on, just a small flame. Then God says to you, what have you got, Dave? And then you produce your life's work and you put it on the altar bench. Then God looks over to the angels and he goes, put the flames on them. And they turn the flames on. And when the flame stops, whatever's left is what you get rewarded for. Amen. That's what the Bible says. Listen to this very important scripture. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 to 15. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay or straw, each one's work will become clear for the day. That day that we read about in Malachi will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So everyone's Life's work is going to be tested under the scrutiny of fire to see what it is. Jesus is the foundation, the cornerstone. That's not going to change. But if you start building on that with the wrong things, the Bible calls them wood, hand, straw. If you get identified with the program, for example, if you build on it with something that's just a structure, a scaffolding, it's not going to survive the fire. We've got to build with gold, silver, and precious stones. The Word of God, pure tried faith in it. We've got to build that way, even if it's 
slower. Preach the word. Do the word. Imitate God. Wait on God for clear revelation before you preach it, sing it, shout it, or say it. Do what God shows you. Do it the slow way, the right way, because it's going to be tested by fire. And we know that ultimately fire is coming. It's coming on the day. And whether the aspects of that day come now or not, I don't mind either way, because I know God can keep his people safe like the land of Goshen. The wicked are going to burn and we're going to stand on them like dust if we stay true to God. But let go of what can burn in your life today. Amen. It's very important to remember Hebrews 12, 29, for our God is a consuming fire, a fire that burns things up till there's nothing left. Wood, hay and stubble, gone. Gold, silver, precious stones remain. So let's do it the right way. Amen. Let's pray right now. Father, I pray for each one listening today that you would show us in our life what's got to be burned, what we've got to let go of, what we've got to say no to, and what part of our life, what branches of Jesus are going to be removed. And Lord, that you would give us the wisdom to see the tears that are around us, that we won't mistake them for genuine Christians on whom we rely and in whom we put a lot of trust. Now today, I also want to pray for a specific group of people. I want to pray with and for those who haven't yet given their life over to Jesus. It's very easy to do because Jesus did the hard yards to get us started. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead to prove they're forgiven. And the Bible says, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the Bible says, if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, and if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And Jesus said, you have to be born again to enter the kingdom of God, to see the kingdom of God. He said, don't be surprised if I say you must be born again. To do that today, it's a simple matter of saying a prayer, acknowledging all of these points. And I can lead you in that prayer right now to get you started. So if that's you today and you want to Give your life over to Jesus and begin this life of following him as Lord and get ready for what's coming. It begins today with a simple prayer. And of course, when you confess Jesus is Lord, that allows him to work in your life to start guiding you, dealing with the things that are coming against you, keeping you safe, but helping you grow and prepare for the day. Amen. So say this prayer after me. Just say this. Jesus, you repeat that, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I turn from my life of sin. I turn from my life of living separate from you. I believe you rose from the dead and I receive you as my saviour. I confess you are my Lord. I want to be born again. And I receive your new birth right now. Thank you that my name's now in your book. And Jesus is my Lord. In Jesus' name. Now you relax. Now, Father, I pray for each one that's saying this prayer today. And I pray that you would give them a powerful and clear witness that they're born again 
that you've touched their lives today, that they're new creations and that everything of the old life is gone, their old track record what is gone, their names are now in the book of life with a brand new start from being born again into God's kingdom. Amen. Well, God bless you. I encourage you to tell someone today, overflow with God's goodness, keep his word coming in and remember, fire is coming. And if you've got rid of everything that can burn, when that fire comes on you, you're going to preach in the fire, move in the fire, act in the fire of God and see that fire catching onto all sorts of other people all around you in revival power. God bless you. Thank you for listening.